0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsored Train. Leading your organization to higher profits and performance requires a strong foundation. In the face of industry changes, emissions requirements, and new legislation, it takes a high-performing building. Train creates turnkey energy strategies for businesses to lower their carbon footprints, prepare for a sustainable future, and meet the needs of occupants and business commitments alike. Open the door to better opportunities at train.com/slash energy services.
2: From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Today on the show, D.L. Hughley, he is a comedian and an actor and a radio host and a TV host and an author. Very, very busy man. I'm talking with D.L. this week because he's out with a new book. It is called How Not to Get Shot and Other Advice from White People. This book is a very satirical, very hilarious look at race relations today. Probably the most time spent in the book is on police-involved shootings of black people. You know, but as timely as this story feels now... That topic, those themes about race and policing, it's been a thing that black people have been dealing with and talking about since maybe forever. And even D.L. Hughley himself was talking about this stuff back in the day. Uh, I first got to know him as a comic. He was all over BET's Comic View, uh, and he talked a lot about some of the same things in his book in uh, this comedy special called Kings of Comedy. It is legendary. Spike Lee directed it. It's probably the only DVD that I still actually have in my possession. It's called Kings of Comedy. You probably want to check that out too. Anyways, this chat with DL Hughley, we talk about race a lot. We use the N word, uh, unbleeped, just a warning for you all. We also talk about DL's adult children. He has a son who has Asperger's and he talks about that. And we get into Me Too. We get into Roseanne. We get into Bill Cosby. It's a lot But it's good. Uh, And we uh, get a little sneak peek of DL Hughley's new comedy special, which is going to be out on Netflix very, very soon. All right, let's get to it. Me and DL Hughley in our Culver City studios. So I guess my first question for you is, given that this is going to be an interview that is going to go onto the radio, got to point out, you're coming here after you just finished your radio show.
3: I finished my radio show, uh, the D.L. Hewley Show. It's the afternoon uh, terrestrial radio show. Yeah. So it, it, it's really kind of all the same thing. How many hours a day you do you doing? Four. Lord God. Four. How do you do that? Well, it's just the same thing. It's like, uh, uh, to me, whether you're writing a book or writing a stand-up special or doing a radio show or writing... Uh, it's the same source different uses like water to come into your house some you use to take a shower some you wash clothes with some you cook with but same source different use so it's all based on my perspective and what's yeah. going on So what did you
2: talk about today uh, the
3: young girl Nia Wilson um, who was killed in, in Oakland yeah that was and, crazy it, but you, and then, then KTVU uh, Fox, uh, Fox Affiliate Mm-hmm. Used a picture of her holding a gun holster, like, you know, the, oh, the kids. Man. And that was the picture that they used, and they used, they juxtaposed that. But oh, the guy's picture, who had, he, I, he had done a, a bid in prison, he had just got out, but they used, he looked like he was going to a hostel. Oh my goodness. And she looked like she was going to... To, to kill somebody. Kill somebody.
2: Yeah, so we should back up and say this is uh, an 18 year old. She was an 18 year old of the color, color, girl on a bar. On the subway, yeah. and randomly, a white just, guy with a knife. A deranged white guy slit stabbed, her throat.
3: Slit her throat and stabbed her sister, calmly wiped his knife off, and walked away. <sighs> and the station chose to use a picture that depicted her as really the more, you know, the more m- malicious. Yeah. And him as. And I think that that is indicative of it's really kind of one of the reasons. Uh, I and I, I've said this often. The most dangerous thing, place for black people is in white people's imagination. That's in the book because they make the monsters of us that they, that they feel like. Ever since our introduction to this country, they've been telling us who we were. They they made a word up to describe us before they even knew us. Like nigga, They 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 like it, we could they couldn't we couldn't have done all these things like you were. But they they have uh, perpetuated an image of us that continues today. That lets them kind of be you yeah. know as brutal as they want to be because this is
2: their maintaining uh society and this is what has yeah. to happen. Do you think it's getting better this 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 way that that we that black people live in certain people's white imagination? I
3: don't think so. I think I th- well obviously uh economically we've gotten better. Yeah. Uh from a from a you know a standpoint but when you look at I see
2: your earrings. Huh? Yeah. I, yeah, I see your earrings But
3: <laughs> <you're doing> <laughs> <good>? <laughs> well, when you look at the way that that a kid can shoot up a school in Santa Fe, uh, uh, Santa Fe High School yeah. in Texas yeah. and he can get arrested. But a kid in, Sa- in Sacramento has a, a phone and he gets shot. So that means that the the dude who has a gun is less dangerous to you than the black dude who you imagine had one.
2: Well, and... <laughs> I want to get to all of that, mm-hmm. but first, got to ID and say you talk about these themes all throughout your book. Sure, the book sure. is called "I Love This Title: <laughs> How Not to Get Shot and Other Advice from White People." It's this satire of race relations, kind of in the age of Trump sure. and Black Lives Matter, post right. Obama. But it is it, it, the frame is that you write it for Black people, breaking down advice that white people have previously given to Black people. Hilarity I, about being black. Yes. <laughs> About what they would do if they were black. Exactly. And so, like, you have it all throughout here. Some Some absurd advice that white people would give to black people on, you know, how to, you know, not get shot. What was the most absurd bit of advice?
3: The most absurd, uh, well, I I guess the actual argument I had uh, was with Geraldo Rivera. And he talked about Trayvon Martin. He said, well, if you dress like a thug, you'll get treated like a thug. Which, which, in essence, is, is, is the nation basically saying that this stereotype is okay? Yeah. And I think um, you, you look at when you look at these rash of people that are calling the police on black people for innocuous, innocuous reasons. The, the, the idea, the very same people who are doing that, it's really no different than when wh- any white guy could walk up to a free black man and ask him for his papers. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Asking, do huh. you belong here? Like I had a white guy. I lived in Calabasas, you know, eighteen years. Ago. My house too. is paid for. I lived in Calabasas. Yeah, I this is I own my house. right. Yeah, a guy I've never seen you before. Well, I've never seen you before either, but my edict isn't <laughs> to call the police on you.
2: Yeah. Like,
3: I don't greet you with suspicion because I don't know you. I'm like, just like, oh, it's a guy. It's a guy. I don't go, well, because I don't know him, he is suspicious. Yeah. Like, uh, Tim Scott, who, you know, is a, he's a U.S. Republican senator. Republican congressman. Right. Yeah, senator. Senator. He's gotten the police. He talked about how he got the police his first year as a senator. They, uh, he had the police pull him over six times in one year. Wow. And what does he have... A United States Congress, a senator, yeah. um, what would he have that would be so outwardly suspicious that six people need to pull him over? Yeah.
2: Even besides that being pulled over, there were times when he was at the Capitol and they were like, are you sure you got to right. go in here? Right. <laughs> it's When did you first have that moment where someone was like... You fit a description, and you shouldn't be here. I remember when it happened to me first. When like did kid. it happen to you first? I was a band nerd uh, all throughout school, and I was a marching band in high school, and it was either my freshman or sophomore year. My dad had dropped me off at band practice, but I forgot my saxophone. So I said, Dad, swing around. Um, go back and get it for me, please, and I'll be waiting by the back door because you can drop it off quicker. While I'm waiting outside of the band hall at my high school, these cops roll up, and... And they were like, hey, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm just waiting, you know, for my dad to bring my saxophone. And they're like, well, there's some kids uh, that fit the description that were trying to steal some stuff from the band thing and whatever. And I didn't think anything of it. I was young. But I said, no, I, I'm i here. But about a day or two later, I was like, oh it happened right and then of course there's many other times right. that it's been happening since right. and you find certain ways to deal with it right like right. you in certain situations you're gonna have your hands where people can see well if i'm in a grocery store i want a bag for my groceries yeah you know i want the receipt there's little things anyways when's your first time? when i when i the, the, you know to your point when i if i'm in a gym at a hotel working
3: out mm-hmm. and little white kids come in i leave really cuz i'm like i'm not about to have nobody say nothing <laughs> i mean i'm, I'm uh, Yeah. or if if uh, you you find yourself trying to make excuse for you being who you are or to si- signal to them that you're not i'm not the, I'm not guy the bad guy yeah, right it
2: happens to me a lot when i like see a little cute little infant a little right. baby i'm like that's right. a cute baby right. and then some folks are like who is this black man looking at my baby right you right know? and you see it in their eyes right anyway or that but
3: the first time mm mm-hmm. I was. At, I grew up here, Los Angeles, 135th and Avalon. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I grew up like a regular kid to the extent that you know what regular is.
2: Yeah. Now, what uh, neighborhood would that be?
3: It would be the—it was 135th and Avalon, so it would be the, it was the neighborhood. Where there were Bloods, and it was— Okay. It was—I was, loved this neighborhood. I mean, my old man just passed, and we were all over And I, I remembered how much it had given me. Yeah. But But uh, so we're, we're coming from um, getting some free lunch— you know, because in the summer they would give you free lunches. So the yeah. sheriff screech up. They tell us to come here to put our hands on the car. And they ask about this older cat in our neighborhood. And then, where is he? We're mm-hmm. looking for him. Mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't we don't, I don't, I don't, we just coming from lunch. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, he said, keep your hands on the hood. And I said, officer, this is How hot. old were you? I was eight. He
2: you said, were eight years eight old and years they old. had you with your hands on the hood of the car. I said, officer,
3: this is hot. Yeah. He said, nigga, if you take your hands off this car, I'm going to blow your head off. And I in everything that I ever thought about crystallized at that moment. And I remember going home talking to my mother and yeah. telling her what happened and she called down to the station or whatever mm-hmm. but there was a look that she has that I think a lot of people of color uh have had with the uh, interaction with their children, which is to say i i I hoped it would I could protect you, yeah.
2: but I couldn't here it and is now, right now I have to tell you know and you're only eight and you're only eight there's yeah. always that moment when yeah. you're like well, like when you see your parents right. they sink a little bit and
3: I didn't I didn't really recognize it um, until you know later in action and mm-hmm. seeing all, like the, the the most stark example was a kid in Chicago and the police pull up and they had this boy handcuffed and he pees on himself and everybody's out there mm-hmm. then they let him go because it wasn't the guy that they thought Ugh. he had the same experience I had 50
2: years and thousands of miles were re- moved yeah you know the premise of the book is breaking down white advice for black people. Right. When you were eight and had that experience, or when you were growing up having those experiences, what were the white folks telling you? Well, I didn't see. See, I, I had you didn't no. See I had no experience with them. I grew up other in, than the in police, very black.
3: Okay. Every black person, every white person lived in my neighborhood was a assurance man, a policeman, or a teacher. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, but but I had you no know, teachers, but, but but they could only you know. I don't begrudge people their vantage point because it's it, it's intrinsically theirs. They, like like one thing I came to realize, mm-hmm. I lived in Los Angeles my whole life and I would watch game shows and they would say, well this. This I'm, I live in Los Angeles, but I never I was like not in my part of LA. Yeah. One time I went to West LA. Okay. By UCLA and I it said hey, now Westwood. into West LA and I went.
2: Uh, yeah. Oh, this is that's that LA. And yeah. their
3: policing is different
2: than ours. Can I tell you the story that I've actually I wasn't even thinking to tell you, but it is so indicative of how you're treated differently based on where you are. I don't bring it up too much. I'm not tuning my own horn, but like my master's degree at Harvard and I lived right in Harvard Square. Mm-hmm. And our first month of school, all the students are meeting, and throwing a bunch of parties, and one group of students that lived in a big old group house like five of them had a big old house party um everyone gets really drunk everyone gets really loud the police officers are called and we're like oh my goodness like the cops are here i was past the age of like running out the house i don't do that you know because i don't want my back to them right but I i was there and then they ended up arresting one of the guys in the house i'm not gonna name him but he's asian american and i will never forget this these white Cambridge PD police officers had that Asian dude arrested. And I talked him out of those handcuffs. It was, ins- it was inc- like, it mm-hmm. was unbelievable. And then I thought about that, and I was like, this is not Texas. Mm-hmm. It's just not Texas. No. It's not even Boston across the river. No, it ain't Southie. It ain't dancing yeah. like that. It's not yeah. that at all. And, like, even now, like... I, you know, you know, once the people in the neighborhood know you and you're in the nice neighborhood, you are like you can at some at, at a certain point become other than their caricature. But except that those people move in and out. Exactly. So then you got to you mo- make it a point to let the
3: new ones know. The new ones know. And it's always it's it's so disconcerting. And, you know, with particularly telling about the story that you told, we're, we're like I said, thousands of miles apart. Mm hmm. Uh, uh, you know, eons in terms of experiences. I didn't go to Harvard, but you, you you know, and so. I barely but, went. But how, there are w- th- ways that, that your experiences taught you to be. Oh, yeah. They are only informed by the fact that you're black. Yeah. Like, you knew yeah. what to say. It wasn't mm-hmm. the white, you knew their language. I knew, I knew how to deal with these
2: officers. That's right. Yeah. Because
3: you know what to say because you have been. I've been there. School. Like, I don't care who you are. You were going to Harvard, and your parents at some point told you that you were different, and at some point told you yeah. you
2: would be treated differently. They never they, wanted to give me the sex talk. They gave me the police talk, the right. black talk, all the time. Like, even if you, you could be
3: a teenage, uh, we ain't going to talk to you about sex, but we are going to talk <laughs> Oh, yeah. I remember, and no shade
2: on my parents. I love them both. They're right. amazing. Right, My dad was scared to do it at all, so he, like, outsourced his sex talk to my mom, and literally, it was all, of the, it was two things. Don't date a white girl. Absolutely uh, and then and then don't have sex on marriage. That was a sex talk
3: The funny thing about that is even when they say don't date a white girl. It wasn't racism it was that she, All of all our parents had that fear that you could be in a situation where her parents didn't like you mm-hmm. or somebody saw You with her and didn't like you or she could say that you had forced yourself They live with this constant state of fear. Yes, they all have a story about a guy Yeah, they got caught up in some oh bullshit. yeah, they, they all do
2: All right, time for a break here. When we come back, how D.L. Hughley has talked to his own kids about race and the difference between that conversation with his son and with his daughters. BRB.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but ZipRecruiter can make it simple, smart, and fast. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 job boards with one click. Then it scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash minute. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
1: I'm Ophira Eisenberg. Join me on NPR's Ask Me Another as we challenge contestants and celebrities to nerdy word games, music parodies, and ponderful trivia. Find us every week on the NPR One app and wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: There are going to be a lot of listeners to this show who are white and sure. say, I actually want to be active on this stuff. I actually want to help. I'm going to read this book. I want to be on the right side of this kind of disparity. What do you say to them? We we seem to be on the wrong side of history every fifteen years.
3: Like you ever notice that <laughs> <laughs> like we're on the wrong side? I, I think it's it's a simple equation. The very accountability that they laud and say that we should be we should have in our communities are the various ones we should hold our apparatuses to. If if a police officer kills someone, here's the thing that's very interesting. It happens plays itself all the time. Uh-huh. If I commit a crime mm-hmm. and it's caught con- con- on video,
2: mm-hmm.
3: all that the DA will do, a prosecutor will do, is play that video, turn to the jury, and go right here. If the same exact thing happens when somebody has a uniform on and they're in the position of authority, they'll go, we don't know what happened before this. We don't know his frame of mind. We don't know the state he was in.
2: Mm-hmm. What, are, what are the mitigating circumstances, et right. cetera?
3: So, so I think it's okay to be – I think accountability is a great word if it works both ways. And it's, oh, if you see something, it probably
2: is that. What about, the, what about the white folks here in you now that want to do better?
3: Then they have to hold people accountable. I mean, they're gonna sit on juries. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna have social media mentions. They're going to be a part of a community. So it's just not enough to want to do better. It's to, to be active about it.
2: I want to go back to your family. Uh-huh. Uh, how old is How old are your children, and what are you telling them about this stuff? My oldest uh, daughter is thirty. She'll be thirty
3: one. She's thirty. Uh-huh. My youngest, my son is twenty nine. My youngest daughter is twenty seven.
2: When they were kids, yeah. Walk me through the talk that you had with them. Well, you know,
3: obviously for your girls is a little bit different for your boys. Uh, but how but, different? But B, uh, you know, naively, I just thought that they wouldn't find themselves in the same situation. Well, my son is autistic; he has Asperger's syndrome, which that's an added know, layer of yeah. So that
2: was confusion always, for police
3: officers. Yeah, and so I, you know, I just um, was very careful one because one of the things you got to do with uh, somebody with uh, you know Asperger's is kind of repeat yeah. the things over and over again so maybe it, it, it was part of that but part of it I said I know you don't understand everything they're saying to you so what I know to be true I've never seen anything good uh, out of a black man talking to the police too much I've never seen a hmm. good thing I've never seen a good thing hmm. come from, ha- from talking too much so hmm. at a certain point you, you just answer the questions you can, and then say, "I don't want to be disrespectful. I'm not going to speak anymore. Call my parents, oh. and uh, and they'll bring a lawyer down here."
2: Did he ever get caught up in? A yes, he did, right and
3: that? he told them the exact same thing that I told him to, and they let him go. Really? Yeah. What did and they and stop him for? Uh, he's coming from a party in in, in Hollywood, oh. and he matched the description, Man. and they got to asking him all these questions huh. and where he come from and. You know, and he, you know, I gave him his name, his ID, and, his, and then they started asking questions. He said, I don't, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I know you have a job to do, but I, I, I've i answered the question to my best of my ability to call my parents.
2: When they called you... Did you answer the phone? They they didn't call. They let him go. Oh, before they even called. Because yeah. my next question would be like, as a black parent, when you get a call saying this is the police department, I'm sh- I don't, I can't even imagine what that feels like. W- you, well, I've had it with my daughters who turned out to have some. <laughs> uh,
3: uh-oh, uh-oh, what they do? My two I, I don't know what business. <laughs>
2: but suffice it to say, they were the criminals. He was a good guy. How was your talk for them different? Uh, so yeah, naively it wasn't yeah, well, the
3: same yeah, just just be careful and be respectful and you know, because there was always this this notion that they wouldn't um deem them the threat that they was with him. so I, I probably was a little bit negligent in talking to them about because I just never um um
2: do you think society sees black women as less of a threat?
3: i I think that black women um uh appeal to them. In a different way. And they may be have a, you know, a a fear of them, but it's not as as not as innate, not as primal as it is with black men. Like in one of the things one of the next books I want to write is how to find your smile, because if you look at black men through generations, we're never smiling. And one of the things they talk about black men that they like. One of the things they like in black men, like the greatest black men. If you talk about Magic Johnson, what is you talk about he his smile. smile? Yeah. What do you? If you talk about, he's so fun to be around. All the all the 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 black men that society's embraced mm-hmm. had a way of making society feel welcome
2: and comfortable. I've been trying this new thing now, in life, like just to see. What would happen if I didn't smile? Yeah, and in well, some prisons situation- happen.
3: <laughs> you don't need to. You yeah. don't need to see what happens. I'll tell you what happens in the experience. locked up a bride. That's what happens. <laughs> you, but it is if you look at look at look at our look. Go back in your history, your family, and look at the litany of black men standing together, not smiling. Hmm. Why is that? Who uh, I want. I want. Who stole your smile? And it's because from the time we've been here, we have been told who we were. Yeah. And so all the time that we're here, we're playing either either I don't want people to think I'm this mm-hmm. or I don't want people to think I'm that.
2: Yeah. Or I'm not going to show you anything behind right. this poker face. That's right. You're not going to know what's That's going right. on here.
3: So it's it's it's, it's really yeah. interesting and very funny yeah. to me. So then with all of that, yeah.
2: seeing the factors that black women are facing sure. and black men are facing as someone who is married to a black woman. Yeah. Even my mistresses have been black. <laughs> I want you to say that. They all have. <laughs> Like I that. wasn't gonna bring it up, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even my business is <laughs> What do you? And you've talked about working on your marriage and getting past fidelity issues, but like sure. you cheated, then you didn't cheat. What, I, I mean, what's, well, here's what's the on thing: okay.
3: I've never, I, I never felt guilty about having other women. I, I just how didn't. long have you been married? Thirty-two years. I just didn't, and and I don't know that I. There was an old line in a movie, Carlito's Way, and he said, "I didn't rehabilitate; I ran out of wind." Huh but i don't there are ways that i see things in the way that i interpret things in a way and and i just i don't feel i feel bad about the 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 the, the, the things that i've left in my wake and the things that, the you know you know like my daughter said i want my both my daughters have said i want a man who's just like you and nothing like you at the same
2: time how does that feel to that hear? feels well, i guess
3: it feels good and bad i mean yeah. i guess it, it, yeah. it, it it's uh, sweet and sour so but I don't feel as if um, that is all I am. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I don't let myself off the hook for it. I understand I've caused pain, but I know that I love my woman. I love my family, and uh, I'm I'm a flawed individual who who at least gives them the courtesy of not pretending to be something I'm not. She forgave you. I'm guessing. I you uh, forg- <laughs> forgave me a couple, a lot of times.
2: Lot when did it, it stop?
3: Uh, uh, it's like what, what do you say those drug? The, w- I was w- an w- addict. Is, it, what is it? One day at a
2: time. Okay. One day at a time type okay. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you feel good about where it is right now. I for you. I feel good. Yeah,
3: well, you know, I, uh, feeling good for me is never as like I hear people say things like that. I, I don't. I don't know that I feel good as much as I know that I feel clear. I feel Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see.
2: <laughs> we'll see. Also, the thing about feeling good, it's like there's probably something going to piss you off at least once a day. Sure. It's okay to be pissed off. I think it that is. there is a certain ethos in, like, the self-care, self-help mm-hmm. mentality that I see so prevalent today. Like, you should always find a way to always be happy.
3: Nah. And it's you know what? It's so, it, it's so prevalent because my father, I lost my old man. Uh, last Saturday, oh my and God, everybody so was telling me you gotta be there, like my wife and my sisters, and yeah. you gotta be there. He'll know you're there. He you wanna he wants you and to there be the, in the service, be, 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 being there with him at you know I'm talking about as while he was, as he is dying. What did he have? He had uh, stage four lung cancer, and wow. so as he was laying, first off, two things I found remarkable. It was one is the best conversations I've ever had with my father Where once he couldn't talk so (laughs) me too (laughs) like like all we had to do to have a great relationship is for you to shut up (laughs) I just hate that it was cancer yeah but uh, but so you know we, we, you know, I, and I, and I, you know, got it. like when he was lucid, he said things, and when I was, but when I, I'm, I'm, I got on from the get, from the road on Saturday, and my old lady calls and she goes, your, your fa-, his sister just called, death is your father's death is imminent. He's a, uh, he was you need in L.A. To go. Now, he's in L.A. So okay. I go, I, 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 vacillate back and forth, but I don't want to go, I don't want to go, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. go. Yeah. So I go, I see this man who's my hero fighting for breath. Uh-huh and that cough yeah. and the way their eyes are half open oh, yeah. and they can't hear you. Yeah. And I'm like, so, uh, I remember at one point I said, hey, hey old man, I'm here. Open your, open your eyes. Open your eyes. And I was angry with him like he because he's it's such a formidable... I just didn't believe that he couldn't summon the wheel up. Yeah. So at one point he raises his hand and he... It, it brushes against my face and it falls down. and And I know... That it was a muscle spasm, but they believed it was. It was.
2: What did you choose to believe? Because there's a lot of stuff that happened when my dad was dying. I was like, "That I meant something to more." I choose believe
3: the truth. Yeah, and the truth was, he was a wonderful human being who died of a horrible disease. Yeah. who would be a, a a he would be angry if he knew I saw it. I saw him suffer like that. It, it was. Just, When he died, so we brought my mother, so it's hours of this. And then you have the the hospice care nurse who, you know, is as sensitive as you can be knowing that you got another shift of this tomorrow. Yeah. So she's there and they're there and they're trying to, the oxygen, he's struggling to breathe. And my mother, she says, he's, he's going. So I, we all rush in, and I'm holding his hand, mm-hmm. and I uh, he takes his deep breath, and he never lets it out, and then his pulse just flutters and stops. So you
2: felt you you I were there felt the his, moment,
3: and I went, th- my wife and sisters went, this was beautiful. He went the way, and I went, this is the most horrible thing huh. I've ever seen in my life, huh. and I wish I'd listened to me instead of them, because their version of what needs to happen and happiness and what's mm-hmm. complete is so much different than what i have nightmares about it every now i know it's just been a week and weekend but i have nightmares about it every time uh-huh. and i talked to a really good a really great comic over the weekend that was giving me a hard time and he said that he'd gone through the same thing and he still has those nightmares i'm like what, what that wasn't worth it to me yeah it wasn't yeah so people's notion of what happiness is and what you know being complete is, is so much different than my i would rather be clear and and it was clear I loved him it was clear he loved me yeah. and, and the last time I saw him was three weeks before he died and I'm talking about even though I had been in his presence physically he he wasn't there for three weeks it was just medicine and, and technology
2: Yeah. yeah. so
3: yeah. that was a long convoluted way of saying that you know, uh, happiness and 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 complete and all that kind of stuff is so much uh, different for people, yeah. and I, it it doesn't serve me like the people. Yeah. It's not built as advertised. I'll say. Okay,
2: have you? I did this thing where, like, so my dad died when I was eighteen, Ugh. and like a bit by bit, month by month, I would begin to look back over our childhood and see all of the things he was doing for my brother and I that I didn't even notice. And I think I realized finally a few years after he was gone mm-hmm. that, like, being a black father is so much harder than any black child will know. Right. Until, until he's their
3: gone. <laughs> Until their father. Until their father.
2: Is there a moment that you've seen in the last week looking back on his life Yeah, where you said...
3: It, you know, I just never... To me, um, he was one of those cats that never smiled. And uh, he was a guy who... I remember I was. A, it, it's so funny that you mentioned this because this is the first time in a week and a half that I've thought of an image that didn't revolve him. Mm-hmm. Remind uh, yeah. I did, It didn't. So I was a kid, and uh, I I was on this uh, guy's grass in our neighborhood, and I was sitting with his granddaughter. She we were on her grass. And he staggers out. He's drunk. He has a gun in his pistol. Uh, gun in his belt. He waves a pistol. Stay off my grass. The kid, neighborhood kids can wait to tell my father. So they run down there and they tell my father that this man had pulled a gun on me, and ooh, and my father gets up out of his chair. Mm-hmm and I am grabbing his leg no he didn't please he didn't he didn't he didn't, he didn't do it please yeah. Yeah. please and he drags me literally wow and he walks up to the man and he said you put a gun on this one he didn't he was, you know, <laughs> and he you know how he, many of y'all were there it, it was four of us but we okay. went this one right here <laughs> and he goes and the dude was incoherent and he pulls the pistol out and he, he slaps that man with that pistol wait your and dad took that dad man's pistol that man, slapped, slapped that man, man in man. his face pistol with that pistol with that man and threw it on the grass and said come on that and that I'm, I, from that moment on I never had a superhero huh I didn't everybody else thought Batman was a I thought that man was yeah I had never I've never to yeah. date and I've been in the presence of men who I've never to date seen a man as formidable
2: as he was. My thing with my dad that I noticed more the older I get, like, he would do this thing that my brother and I would make fun of all the time growing up. He would be perfectly happy sitting alone in a quiet room. Wide awake. Just sitting there. Yep. And we'd be like, what the hell is wrong with you, man? Like, he, he loved to watch TV, but some days he would just sit. I'm like, what's going on? What are you doing? And now I'm like, he was in. He had it figured out. Like, he had this level of peace, with himself and the world that like I'll probably never get to, and you you, may...
3: you might man I, I hope y- so. Y- you know it may not look like you know what's so funny. I remember my father doing the same thing really, and I asked him why are you sitting by yourself. Like he would always be sitting in his van, yeah, or always be sitting off by himself, yeah. And I was like, wow, this this is as close as that dude is ever gonna come to having a vacation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like literally, like that's the best it gets for him. That's it. All right, time for one more break. On the other side, DL talks Me Too and Roseanne, and his answers on both topics
0: will most likely surprise you. Be right back. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card.
1: I'm Ann Powers from NPR Music. Last summer, we launched Turning the Tables, a project that radically changed how we talk about the history of popular music with a list of the 150 greatest albums by women. This week, we're launching Season 2, looking at the 200 greatest songs by 21st century women. Check out who made the list and who didn't at the tables.
2: I can't have you in this room and not talk with you about uh, your comedy. Mm-hmm. I I was watching you on Comic View back in the day. Oh, yeah. I was watching you on Kings of Comedy back in the day. Still, in my opinion, the best comedy special of all time. I'm not just saying that. I mean it. Thank you, man. Uh, you in that yellow suit. Oh, yeah. Did it. That was a. Do you still have the suit? Yes.
3: <laughs> Where's the suit? Yes. I keep I keep hoping that Hollywood, Planet Hollywood, going to ask for it. <laughs> Like, I hope it is a it's some... Like, somebody like, asked for it Yes, I still have the suit. In plastic. Ready to go. Stop it. And I can't fit it. It's too big. It's too big. It is. <laughs> it is. Describe this suit for folks that haven't seen it yet. It was yet. a it's... yellow, mustard, wide suit. All you have to do is look at the Steve Harvey, Harvey collection. That's the suit. <laughs> Just in mustard yellow.
2: There is this scene where you're talking about the difference between white people and black people. And I watched it yesterday, and I said, this could be a, a line in this book today. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to play it.
3: White folk do s*** for excitement. We don't do it. I always got to
2: ski and bungee jump and skydive.
3: Black folk ain't going to never bungee jump. That's too much like lynching for us. So I'm going to let you tie a rope around me and push me off a bridge? You must be out your mind. Let me do you. I do you. that. Eh? We don't have to do shit. For excitement, it's hard enough just to be black. Fuck all that we have enough excitement in our life trying to do regular. Shit. They talk to you at work. What are you gonna do for excitement today? I'ma drive past the police and try not to get my ass whipped, and then I'ma fill out this loan application that's been denied fifty times, and then I'ma pull my wallet out and hope I don't get shot forty-one times. That's the I'ma do.
2: The same stuff that was resonating then yeah. is an issue for all of us now.
3: Yeah, it it, it, it never... You know, now it's, it. when I think about it, I'd always wanted to... I think I've always had the same sentiment, you know, the same uh, mentality or the same sentiments. Yeah. I always felt yeah. the same way. I think society uh, wasn't tuned to that frequency now. And now, you know, they're, they're kind of more tuned to that frequency. And Explain. I think it's a lot of things. I think now they're more inclined to at least pretend like they they care you know they being. the society in general like you have you know the social media movements and you know everything's a hashtag and people are woke and now you you know the the, the metrics the frequency wasn't tuned to that people were just they were in a different place
2: comedy has changed so much i was yeah. thinking about that special and how i consumed it and how i watched it what was it like a two-hour special yeah. with four comics that yeah. I had a, d- a dvd uh-huh. mm-hmm. netflix has changed everything yeah. streaming has changed everything yeah. As someone who is, a, who is an OG of the game, watching the comedic the mm-hmm. comedy landscape now, how different is it for you? Well, you
3: know what's funny? I just shot a Netflix special what? May 11th. So it'll be out in September. Okay. But it just comes on. <laughs> <So it> just, <laughs> there's no, like, it just, the air date. What's a little, it called? The, you have it's like called book Contrarian. Contrarian. No, Contrarian. you need to have a title like one of these. No, it's, like, uh, yeah, because you know, it's comedy specials. Though. Like, I've always had, I've done 11 of them, but they always had the one name. But yeah. to your point, it it is all about people having what they want when they want it, mm-hmm. and how do you? And that's a very cluttered environment. It's so, so cluttered. How do you? But I, but I but I feel bad for entertainers. Period, because now is so much more communal than it would have been. Like my manager can weigh in. My, I'm not talking about me. If I'm, if I'm, because I, I pay. If I pay you, you are gonna do like
2: <laughs> you can do what I say, or or
3: yeah, shut up about not doing what yeah. I say. But um, you know, the audiences train the entertainers as a. It's like almost like this. All of a sudden, we start painting portraits mm-hmm. instead of painting what we painted. Now people want portraits. Now Explain, people want, like, people want. Uh, they want uh, like it's like telling Michelangelo, "I want you to paint my
2: family portrait." And so you're saying that the, that this 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 collective social media buzz yeah. informs the art that you can make. That, that's right. And I also think that a lot of consumers of media, myself included, we want to go to stuff to be affirmed and not mm-hmm. to be challenged, right? And the, but art, the definition of art. It's challenge Yeah. What is there a thing that you felt like you couldn't go into into your new special given the current climate? I will tell you this: okay. that there
3: is a conversation that the net that the because uh, Netflix is kind of the new frontier. It's kind of the way. It's it, scary. It, it really is concerned. Like it's Amazon. It's, it's all. Those, it's all. But there's a a bit that they that they didn't tell me not to do. Okay. But they said, you know, last time we did this kind of thing, the guy, you know, it was you know, okay. he
2: said something like this and this was Can you give me the topic?
3: Uh it was about my son and um his his diagnosis his and how I dealt with it. Okay. And so you were joking like, about Asperger's. Yeah, they they were like, Did you, can we get him to sign a waiver? I like he lived with me for free. That's the way <laughs> they asked your son Yeah, the like, son. like wow. they asked me, could I get my son to I'm like but you know, it was it was a little more to it than that, but ultimately Everybody wants to be safe. That's the thing. And we can't guarantee you that. If you want to be safe ride a roller coaster, and even that isn't yeah. safe.
2: Well, and also, I think that we are performing a certain performative safety that lets us feel like we've done something when the big stuff we haven't figured out Of yet. course not. And if someone can say, I did my woke thing for the day by tweeting at DL saying that joke was wrong. Right. You can feel like you've done something. Right. but. Your son is still going to go out I'm and get gonna... shot by the police, just like Roseanne.
3: I didn't think Roseanne oh. should have been fired because I didn't think she should have been hired. But but ABC explained so, like, b- b- like b- b- I b- thought b- that that she you everybody knew who she was, everybody knew what she did. I like Roseanne personally. I think she's is a she talented. cool. She well I, you know. I, you, know, I, you, I, you, you hung out with her. I, I make allowances for people who are talented that are in my <laughs> kind of... Okay. The, they're my get down that I can, you know... So that, you're
2: saying that you and Roseanne back in the green room. You'll be nice. I,
3: gonna, I, I kick she you. makes me laugh, and it's not... I don't I don't feel a system animus, but, okay. but I, I do very much believe she's a racist, and I do believe that that was... There was no... You know, like when she says, I didn't know she was white. Well, you knew that Susan Rice was white, black, and you called her a gorilla in 2013 and ABC. We didn't know. Well, you did know you wanted her audience and you did the same thing with Russ Limbaugh. In that audience, you, you want to get the luxury of, of, of appealing to a certain mindset, but then pretending like you didn't know what they were doing. Russ Limbaugh did exactly what he was going to do, which was be racist, and Roseanne did exactly what she was going to do, which was be racist.
2: But you still say that she should not have been fired? Right? I, I think
3: once you made the decision to, to take that on that mantle, you go for the whole ride.
2: As an ABC should just say yes, we banked on this, we knew what, the, what she was. You
3: knew what she was, you just hoped. I don't even know what you hoped. You knew what would happen.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: That's why you put her on when you did.
2: Because I knew that th- this was a time and yeah, which that, that's... Yeah, that's
3: what they put her on when they... That's, that's all strategic. You can't tell me that happens
2: by accident. Has there been anyone that has been pushed out of the conversation, lost a job because of a controversial conversation, and you, you said that was wrong? I,
3: I, think, I think that everybody I, I I don't think, I think that this whole Me Too movement, I think that that we're lumping them all together. I think that they're all the same conversation. I think that you can't have a serious conversation about a movement that's going to bring people to heal or to justice when you have two men, one black, one white they both work for NBC, they both were accused by dozens uh, by uh, uh, dozens of women of sexual assault. Now the black ones in the big house and the white one in the White House and yet you want me to have a serious conversation. You're talking about Bill Cosby. You'll go back in time and and re-adjudicate a a, a thing based on, you know, 25 years ago, you're getting judged. And how far are we going back? Are we going back as far as Thomas Jefferson?
2: Because if you think that Harvey Weinstein was bad. Hearing you talk about it, it seems as if there's an environment in which you think that like allegations could come for everybody at some point. do you think they come from of course
3: well I, well I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked here is what I'll tell you that I I, I, I I am not unaware of who I've been and the things I've done. I would like to put myself in this. I would like to believe that there's nothing I've done that would uh, border illegality. Uh, but I'm not in somebody else's position, and yeah. I, know, I know.
2: Well, and also I, for lots of folks, the, the the threshold is not legal. Right. It's appropriate, right? And, and well, I've done a ton of inappropriate stuff. But I, but I, but I'll say
3: this, that um, I I feel as if if somebody committed a murder in front of you, somebody did something heinous to your family in front of you. It wouldn't you would, as a, as the only witness, have to take the stand and say, even though this horrible human being, did this is in front of you and it's bringing up all kind of memories. I got to I got to face my accuser and say, I did this. I think the standard is different. I think that you shouldn't be able to make an allegation unless you're willing to take the other step and say out those those allegations out loud and to do it, which is what I definitely commend. Um, the young lady who went uh, in front of Cosby, you know, whether people like that or not. I think she did what you are supposed to do when somebody is wrong. You, you face You're, your accuser and say, "Hey, this you did it."
2: Do you think that men, in positions of power, like yourself, sure. have a greater responsibility now to say, when we is, see that stuff to say, "Hold on."
3: I think we can we can assign whatever label we'd like, uh, uh, power. Uh, means my ability to influence your life in some kind of way. So I, 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 having having celebrity and influence is, is is probably more appropriate. But I think that men um, ha, are doing what uh, what they've always done, which is, and I think that it's the reason you'll you'll see uh, it, it, how, how did Harvey Weinstein get that girl because he was rich and powerful. You know, you know. So we can't. But but I do think at a certain level. You have to have a level of of clarity. You can't have like there are degree there are gradations of murder.
2: There is
3: there's not a there's not not
2: just one murder.
3: Right? Like they're lumping them all together now.
2: Have you changed your behavior in light of me too? I I have not. Even in terms of just like saying something if you see something, I have not. So so, okay, I
3: I can't think of I can't think of a way I act now that I don't that I wouldn't have before. Do you think that's cool? I don't know. We'll know in a minute. <laughs> we'll know in a minute because, well, because I don't think there's anything that I'm doing that I wouldn't say I did.
2: But there are lots of folks saying it is it is this culture of like masculinity period. So like if you're a man and you see another man doing something inappropriate, going in, in, into a place you shouldn't be doing like it is it is more on men everywhere to hey man, call that. If I out.
3: saw if I if I saw a man before there was a me too, there was a me I'm a man. Yeah. And there are certain things I would allow men to do around me. Yeah. And anybody who knows me and who's been in my, any woman who's been in my presence, know there are a lot of things you ain't going to be able to do around me. I don't think I never ne- ever needed a movement to do. So to your point, I don't act any differently because I believe the way I've done things is 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 at least honorable enough where I can hold my head up. I'm not saying I should have a statue, but I ain't got to hang my head in shame for a lot of things up have
2: Pound for pound, do you think Me Too is good for the culture?
3: I think that it depends on 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 what it gets what it what it was look uh the fruit it bears look at all the things they do to women of color are you going to include that in this too mm-hmm. are you going and then you said that there's some you're going back in time to make some things right how far are you going to go back
2: yeah yeah
3: are you going to give everybody uh uh just as delayed as justice denied are you going to be because that's a heavy load to all of a sudden make things right. Are you going to make it right only to a point where it's
2: convenient for you? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about this week. Our Kelly in the news again. I think
3: our, uh, we've been new, but it, we did. And you know what's so funny? And I, and I and I and I talk about this all the time. If you make an album that's good enough, black people will make excuses for you. Like, uh, like, uh, as a whole, like I, I'll never buy Kanye West music again. I don't care what he says after the after the, after the, the slavery. Comments. I'll never do it. But if you make an album good enough, black people, well, you know he ain't been the same since. His uh, died. A
2: lot of white people too. Yeah, nah,
3: not a well. I will tell you what, for me, I think that art that black people in my experience have made a lot of excuses for people just because of the of the thing. Like, if you make us feel a way, evoke some emotion in us. Michael- Michael Jackson, uh, O. J. Simpson, Bill Cosby. That's how bad we need to feel good. Much like we can society can make monsters, we can make our own heroes. We can tell our own stories. We can edify our own positions and not hold people to account.
2: Yeah. Last question for sure. you that I know you gotta go. Sure. Tell me a joke. <laughs> tell me a joke from your special. <laughs> a joke from my special yeah, that tell I'm me really excited You know uh,
3: uh I, I was it was very funny because I now that now that people are so interested in their DNA. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Like everybody that's 23, and, 23
2: me. and me. Which I've never been into because it's me, by like, the way, I'm black.
3: That's right. Like Still it, can't it, get a cab in New York. It's really weird to me for black people to be into this because only in America would they steal you from your homeland, and sell your ancestry back to you. Like
2: they make you pay for it <laughs>
3: to know. To for a hundred dollars, I'll show you where we stole you from. Like <laughs> And you ever you ever notice how excited white people are when they find they got a little black oh I have I'm three percent black. Well, you're not going you to. wouldn't take
2: 75, would <laughs> right.
3: you? No, you're not going to report that to Equifax, are you? Because I'm, <laughs> I want to be black, but I, I just apply for a home loan, <laughs> so I just I so it I can it's called Contrarian. I'm very excited. You know, one thing I will say, okay. I think uh, between the radio show and the book and the and and the, the special Contrarian, I, I I found myself in probably the most creative space I've ever been in. I like that, and it's it's been so. Uh, it, this is how selfish it is I said I just want my old man to live long enough so he could see I had another book on the New York Times bestseller yeah. that's like that was my and you've had a few now right? because yeah so I wanted him to I wanted to walk in with him and say this uh, I wrote this and uh, you're in the book and I talked about it and, and, and it just it has been such a creative space and I've never felt clearer which is the closest approximation as I can come to happiness I like that I like it too
2: I really appreciate it The book is called How Not to Get Shot The Netflix special is coming out
3: uh, In September It's called Contrarian Contrarian Thank you Thank you man I'm a
2: Lifetime fan Thank you man What a pleasure Many thanks to D.L. Hughley His new book is called How Not to Get Shot And Other Advice from White People Also want to thank Some other people today Everyone who came out To our live show In Los Angeles uh, Last night Monday night It was super fun I always enjoy Seeing y'all Real live In the flesh Great. If you missed that show, we'll have many more shows to come. Actually, one more in the LA area later this year around October. Stay tuned. Uh, also, as always, make sure to send me the best thing that happened to you this week or any week or all the weeks. Record yourself, send the file to me at samsanders at npr.org. sanders at npr.org. Until Friday, thank you for listening. Talk soon.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone